Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Right on, Jeff Hood, co-founder, CEO of Metacurio. Welcome back to NFP. Yes, good to be back, buddy. Good to talk. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so we were talking about NFTLA and how we were probably in a lot of the same circles there and just never ran into each other. Um, you had a busy time there, busy as me? Yeah, uh, yeah, I was actually in Dubai for the first kind of three days of that event. And then I flew back and then I spoke at a reform uh, alliance meeting and then went to a bunch of parties. You know, I've, I've been going back and forth to Dubai. I'm, I'm taking some blue chip digital artists there for their first entry into the Gulf, uh, doing uh, gallery NFT uh, exhibits for NFT artists. And uh, so I, I have to go back and forth. So I was there most of that week. But yeah, it was fun. NFT LA is always a good time. All of the NFT events that come to LA, I've enjoyed all of them. And I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to NFT NYC for sure. Yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, I'm thinking NFT NYC was probably the biggest NFT event last year. Would that be accurate? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that was kind of like, be. I mean, that was the that was the coming out party. Like that was like the big day for all the NFT. I mean, billboards all over Times Square with cool cats and board API club. And then obviously you had Danny seat phrase and everybody, you know, DJing. And I think he was on the front of the, you know, of a, of a, of a magazine because of that. And it was crazy. It'll be interesting to see what the dynamic is this year versus last year. Because at the beginning mm -hmm. of last year, you know, the NFT mentality was, you know, wag me, GM. Um, and there's been some losses in the last yep. year, right? This last it's gonna week. It's going to be wag me. We're not all going to make yeah, it. Well, we, we're, we're definitely, I always loved wag me because we are all going to make it, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just being But I, I also saw a tweet once that said that we are absolutely all not going to make it. And it was a thread on the reality of speculation and nfts and i think that's mm -hmm. also a good that's a good conversation that's a healthy conversation to have right so that you're I looking for things so swag me some of us are gonna make it <laughs> i like the new one for solana uh we're, we're gonna be okay wagbo we're gonna be okay all, that's good yeah, okay bears we're all gonna be okay yeah that's good that's good i like that one a lot 
<laughs> swag me. Well, yeah, we're gonna be okay. It's probably better. Um, so you had a little bit of a pivot here, name wise, that you were telling me about because uh, maybe you can tell people about Metacurio because I know you've been around a little longer than the name's been around. Yeah, when right? we formed the company, we called ourselves one of one, and I think mm-hmm. that really was in line with what we were doing, selling NFTs and focusing on like Mike Tyson's one of one stuff like that. Yep. But we actually, you know, as we grew as a company, as we raised more money, as we brought on more employees, and we we realized that the future for our business was in the future of Web3 in totality, not just mm-hmm. within NFTs. So I always say NFTs are just a component of a, of a broader scale ecosystem that is Web3. So we really um, wanted to get a different name that didn't pigeonhole us. It's just an NFT, you I know, see. advisory firm. So we switched to Metacurio. Because we do, you know, provide a, bar, a broader range of services. We're now working directly mm-hmm. with brands mm-hmm. on the best way for those brands to strategically enter Web3. Some of those solutions might involve NFTs and some of them might involve, you know, Web3 integrations or metaverse experiences or play to earn gaming, um, which all have components of NFTs, but it's not per se an NFT collection. Uh, so, and then obviously one of, you know, who I know all the guys over there very well as a well-known platform. There was always some confusion between one of one and one of, and I was like, look, we're, we're definitely going to be doing other things. And we've grown so much. We have 14 employees full-time now. And uh, it, it, it's crazy how much we've grown since the last time I talked to you. That's uh, awesome. man. in a lot of ways, you've kind of followed the growth of the industry, really. Or maybe you've been there leading it, uh, you know, hard to say. I don't, I don't ever consider us... But... Yeah, I don't ever want to say that that I'm an expert or or we're a leader. I think I think that we're working very hard to you know cement a position in this in this space as a you know trusted provider of services mm-hmm. uh, that delivers you know not only to talent but to brands. We're working very very hard. I mean, we've onboarded a huge amount of customers, uh, uh, but it's a lot. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm drinking water from a fire hose. Because there's just so much stuff going on, uh, but yeah, we we've definitely we've definitely grown a lot. We're expanding. We mm-hmm. are opening an office in Dubai. Uh, we just signed off on opening an office in Seoul, uh, as well as Singapore. Wow. Uh, so we're we're expanding globally. I'm very bullish on the Greater Asian market for NFTs. Mm-hmm. I'm very very bullish. So we're investing a huge amount of time and money into those regions. As well as investing it's, money it's, locally. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a second. It feels a little untapped, Asian market. You know what's crazy is, I mean, I, I think, I think the last time we talked, you know, I've been in crypto a long time, a decade now, uh, yeah. which seems like an eternity. Uh, m- crypto, when when crypto came on the scene, you know, when we would when we were doing ICOs or you were actually raising money for blockchain projects, you had to go to Asia. You sure. could not do that in the U.S. You had to go to Korea. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, you had to go to Europe. I mean, it was not a lot of activity here. You would not make any money, anything here. So with NFTs, it's the exact opposite. The cultural right. epicenter of NFTs is North America, Toronto, Miami, New York, Los Angeles. But the larger appetite, the larger consumption base for NFTs is going to be um, in Asia, for sure, not in the U.S. I mean, the future mm-hmm. of this space to me is going to be uh, in greater Asia. Yeah, I feel the same way, especially when you look at some of the stuff going on with like play to earn and that element that seems to be, you know, exploding in those parts of the world, you know, places like, say, Philippines, for example. 
I'm actually working on a play to earn uh, project in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. So again, that's me being bullish on that region. I think that uh, that doesn't mean you won't have major opportunities in North America. It's just, you know, it's a much larger market there. Also, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, like even Coinbase, Coinbase only services U.S. customers. You know, they right. don't service global customers. I'm also very bullish on Binance. Uh, we do a lot of work with them. So I'm, I think I, I think I definitely, uh, and my peers in the space are very North American focused and Western focused. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe I'm, I have a, a different opinion of them, but I'm only doing that based on my experience in crypto for the last decade that I feel like that that's, that's where we're going to see huge explosion in those markets. Interesting. So, you know, a lot of people listening to this show, you know, are artists themselves, you know, like what's a way for them to kind of tap into that interest, you think? What should we be doing? I think artists should, I think artists and North American artists uh, should take the blinders off a little uh, and realize that this truly is the power of Web3 and decentralization and this global economy is that it's global, right? Truly global, right? So the epicenter of everything can't be New York, Miami, Toronto, LA. <laughs> that's just, I think that's the first step, right? And then how do you reach a global audience? You know, you're gonna have to step out of your comfort zone a little and, you know, uh, and look at foreign uh, entry points, you know, other markets, collabs with other creators or other projects from greater Asia, right? I think that that's what you have to do. Like the artists that I'm taking to the Dubai, to Dubai, that's an, that's another step, right? So they're saying, hey, we want to reach into the Gulf. I'm taking mm -hmm. artists to Seoul as well to do gallery, you know, physical gallery events with digital NFTs in those regions. So they're getting exposed to a completely new collector base, right? That aren't getting exposed to them. Because even though you can go on Super Rare and OpenSea, right? Um, you still need kind of this mainstream adoption. Everything is happening here. We, we, it was so crazy. Like every blockchain event in the world was always overseas you know, consensus mm -hmm. or uh, blockchain week or all of like the economy, like these are always in Asia or Europe. So still the hub of everything NFT is here. I would love to see some really huge NFT conferences pop up in Singapore or, you know, obviously you can't take NHK right now because of COVID, but we're going to see that. And I definitely will be there sponsoring those events and bringing artists. I think people just need to be open to the concept that there's something outside of this little bubble per se, that mm -hmm. a lot of NFT artists and community members are living in here in North America, much bigger appetite outside of the US. So why do you suppose that's kind of lagged in, in a sense? And I mean, maybe that has a negative connotation, but why is it that the Asian market doesn't seem to have picked up on NFTs in the way that it happened as a craze in North America and Europe? Well, I think that they have. I don't think that they've been had the same um, exposure. I do think that they have, like, okay. obviously in China, there's constant issues with crypto regulation, right? So mm -hmm. that creates a problem. So you have to go outside of mainland China uh, to even think about that. But I think when you talk about like Singapore and Indonesia, I do think I th also, look, I think the barrier to entry also, and NFT over the last year has been interesting because um, as in inclusive as the nft community can be sometimes it's very exclusive because of the price point mm. uh i mean a board ape 
was in inclusive <laughs> when it meant it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think that's a great project. They're going to do amazing things, obviously, but it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars now. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of the projects that became very popular became highly speculative and very, very expensive, right? We become desensitized as collectors that, you know, like a doodle floor at 14 ETH, we think, oh, that's low right? That's a deal right now or whatever it is. It's low, like, or a clone X at like below 20. Oh, let's grab two. Like that's a lot of money to a lot of people. Right. So there's been this very strange descent to this, that we've been all kind of desensitized or collectors have, um, yeah. but that'll change. Look, I believe in the concept of retail pricing also on a broader scale. Um, one of the reasons I, I like Binance, you know, their sweet spots, probably 45 to $75 for an NFT. I think that's great. You know, mm -hmm. I think that you can, I think that that's a, a great price point. I think that you're going to see a lot of that. As more people get into using digital assets and digital goods, then there'll be a, definitely a market segment for high-end art, which will always be here. But a lot of these things will become more retail accessible. And that's what you want. If you want to reach more than, I mean, a 10K PFP project from you maybe has four or 5,000 wallet holders. It's, I mean, it, it is a big community, but it's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a niche in a sense. Very much. Very so, niche. I mean, yeah. when you talk about some collectible, uh, real world collectible projects have, you know, hundreds of thousands of collectors, sure. right. If not, if not more. So yeah, uh, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, it'll, we'll get there. We're so early in this space. It's, it just, it's like AOL dial up days. We're so early. <laughs> We're so early. Well, and compared to, like you say, the traditional market of say collectibles, it's, a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage, right? In terms of sales and market volume and so forth. It's a very tiny, small percentage. Uh, and and there's, a, there's a, a small number of people that really have the pulse, you know, whether mm. they're collectors, influencers, or, you know, projects, you know, they're kind of controlling 90% of everything, right? So... Yeah. You know, we'll definitely uh, see more uh, cool utility and cool projects come up, but, you know, we need to have also, we need to break out of this bubble of, of just everything for money, which is a certain, a, a lot of it's become it. It's a very, very reminds me very much like the ICO space, the crash right now reminds me of the ICO space and yep. we're, and, yep. and, and uh, I think it'll be good. I think, I, I think it's great. I think if I don't want to see it happen, I have a lot of NFTs, right? But I do think that when NFT floors drop substantially, right, you're going to shake out a lot of bad actors. And we saw this mm -hmm. in the ICO space because, mm -hmm. you know, 90% of ICOs failed, you know, in one year. Um, we're already seeing, you know, statistics that say most NFTs that were minted in last year are trading below the mint price, mm -hmm. except for a small percentage. But that's good because then it becomes less about a, a cash grab or some people just showing up to make some quick money. And we start talking about building, right? Mm -hmm. But as long as people think they can just show up with an art collection and make $3 million, you know, with a few tweets and some influencer posts, you're going to have a lot of bad actors show up. And that's not going to be good long-term for a community. So, I mean, highlighting projects that want to show that, that where you have people that are going to stick around for four or five years, that's, you know, that's where you really need to get to. And there's definitely some out there for sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's true. Like when you look at how many of those ICOs were literally 
white papers and that was the extent of their existence right almost and people almost were putting millions of dollars into these just ideas that's all they were was an idea on paper you know what's funny is uh like a lot of people in the industry in the nft space look back at the ico space and they forget what the inception of icos was it was the ability for entrepreneurs to raise capital for their business without having to give up equity to VCs. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was a very pure, it was born out of a very pure concept, democratizing capital raising, right? I can raise capital for my business and build things and do amazing shit in blockchain, right? But I don't have to give up equity. I don't have to, you know, deal with uh, vulture capitalists, right? That want to take all my equity. But not too dissimilar from the idea of a creator economy where an artist can make money off of their art without having to give 50% to a gallery. And make so it's the same concept fundamentally right of empowerment mm -hmm. right through technology but icos went crazy because it created a speculative bubble for people to just to come in and make money overnight and then mass media adoption of the bull run of bitcoin the first one to twenty thousand, everyone got into crypto it's so very much like the current space right board apes go crazy crypto punks go crazy then everybody's dropping a project right um, of course, it's going to crash. It's logical because right? you're not building it. it it's a yeah. fact. It's not, it's yeah. just a fact. And anyone that doesn't think that's delusional, it's a fact yeah. uh, There will definitely be a, a NFT winter. But out of that will be a very strong NFT bull run. Uh, and we saw the same thing in crypto. Ethereum went down to $80. You know, people are yeah. freaking out. Millions and millions of dollars were lost. People couldn't pay their bills for their projects. And out of that was born all time highs, you know, um, and people forgot about projects that were ICOs that they thought that just kind of went away. And then four or five years later, those projects became really big deals. Lend became Ava, DeFi, all of these amazing things were born out of that period. Right. So we'll see that with we'll see that with NFTs. I promise you that in 10 years, you will go into some store somewhere and there'll be a whole line of merch and toys and ip that was born out of the nft industry 100%. these are facts 100 and you'll see television shows and and cartoons and my grandkids will play with some toy that start as an nft project these are facts right sure. but you're also going to have a, a a period of time when things are going to be grim right yep but if if you're building if you're really building you'll build through that if you're just trying to take advantage of, and it's not the community, it's just people in general. If you're trying to take advantage of people, you will not be here. Like that will, that's not a long-term plan. That's not scalable. That's a one-time deal. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it will flush out, like you said, a lot of the predatory behavior is, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of that gone. Just, you yeah, know, like I would try uh, to prey on people's ignorance and uh naivety i would love to see the predatory behavior go away but i also look i see a correlation also between you know when i was in the ico space you know kind of influencers tastemakers key opinion leaders dictated what uh buyers bought right and mm. it's like that in many markets especially in unregulated markets but i don't think that's always a good thing uh, because you know we saw in the ico space there were some ico advisors that were like one, two, three top advisors in the world at one point. Nobody will touch them with a 10-foot pole now because they became advisors to every project on the planet, 
right? And then you're not really advising. You're just selling your name, right? So yeah. we've yeah. definitely seen that happen in the, in, the, in the NFT space where you have people that have a lot of power and a lot of influence, right? Because they have a platform, because of the power of social media, right? So I, I'll, that will shake out too. A lot of those people that have a platform today will not have a platform in two or three years because mm-hmm. the people that trusted their advice will lose money. These are facts, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of self-dealing and, you know, um, we need to grow, uh, you know, we need to grow as an industry, you know, and grow into building wide-scale adoption. I thought it was really cool that Starbucks announced that they were going to incorporate NFTs mm-hmm. into their rewards program. I love that a lot of people in the NFT space are like, oh, no, that's that's what we want. We want, you want... You want broad scale retail adoption of your of what you're trying to do, right? That's how you reach the masses. That's how you reach, you know, uh, a global adoption. And Starbucks is that's great, great for them, you know. I still feel uh, like we've got to come to a point where the language changes, and maybe we aren't even using the term NFT anymore. Like it's just, I don't know what that what the vocabulary will be. But, you know, when I look back at, you know, early internet and everybody talking about all the technical terms and you have to be a real serious, serious nerd to know what to do to even just do anything on the internet. You know, nobody talks about those sorts of things anymore. And it's just a mainstream thing that you just turn on your phone and you're on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I still feel like there's a lot of technical jargon that holds people back from getting involved. I think that'll change. I mean, yeah. Uh, I definitely, I think that'll change. We saw that, you know, in the beginning of like the dot-com era when we, mm-hmm. when we were talking about, you know, dial-up versus T1 versus DS3, like bandwidth consumption and all of these terminologies, you know, uh, nobody really talks about at least per se, like microtransactions. They just talk about transactions on, a, on an app, mm-hmm. right? You're just buying something. It's a transaction or or even e-commerce is still a term, a broad scale term, but we're just buying stuff online, right? It's just like, that's what <laughs> exactly. you do. Oh, you want to yeah. go buy something, you go online. It's not that you're making an e-commerce transaction across, you know, whatever. Like it's, I think that'll change. Everyone gets caught up, by the way, at the beginning of anything. The people yeah. that know something want to continue to talk about what they know, right? Oh, it's a non-fungible token and it's this and it's that. It's the ER70 versus ER71, whatever it is, like, I think that that'll, that'll go away, right? This is, everybody has a cell phone. I say this in almost every Zoom I'm on with anyone. I'm like, we all have cell phones. It's a logical evolution. There's no, there's no rocket science here. <laughs> like yeah. we live in a digital world. So it's a logical evolution that the things that we buy, sell and trade will become digital to a large extent. And the technology that backs those, those assets or those transactions is an NFT, great. I mean, I don't sit here and talk about, we weren't talking about how .NET powered some website. Like it's just a website <laughs> and, yeah. and the code behind it, you know, is the code behind it. So we will get there mm-hmm. for sure. You'll see definitely a lot of projects pop up in the next few years where they leverage uh, NFTs and Web3 and blockchain technology. Don't talk about it. I think Royal actually does a good job. I saw a tweet about their website the other day that said, we don't talk about NFTs. Mm-hmm. or web three we talk about creators right yep. we talk about building things and the value that we give to creators i thought that was a great like a very mm-hmm. honest way to do it we'll see more of that for sure quick break here for the giving block in the past year the number of nonprofits accepting cryptocurrency donations increased tenfold on the giving block 
Since 2018, the Giving Block has been making it easy for nonprofits to modernize their fundraising by accepting crypto donations. Organizations of all sizes can sign up and get started in no time. Nonprofits are saying that crypto is the future of fundraising. Find out why at thegivingblock.com slash NFP. That's thegivingblock.com slash NFP. Hey, in cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. Yeah, I feel like it'll kind of fade into the background. You know, it's not like you know how the hell your cell phone works when you're on your cell phone. You just use it. Right? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Let's talk about Dennis Rodman. I mean, here we are. You know, I actually lived in Vancouver years ago, back when the Grizzlies were an expansion team. And, you know, that kind of went badly. But it got me into basketball right at the time that the, uh, the Bulls were amazing and they were huge rivals of the Seattle Supersonics or Sonics, whatever their name was. And uh, there was Dennis Rodman, defensive player of the year for the for the Bulls and exciting player to watch. And, you know, all kinds of amazing uh, plays and crazy antics and rebound king. And that's when I really got into that stuff. And here he is. Uh, part of this uh, Metacurio uh, NFT collection here called Rodman's Barbershop. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, Dennis is great. You know, Dennis came to us like a lot of customers come to us with this concept of fandom, right? Which is another use case really for, for NFTs. You know, we talk a lot about NFTs being, well, most people now are talking about them being speculative, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I might buy this, it'll be worth more which is definitely the wrong way. I think you should be looking at NFTs as digital collectibles and you collect them because you care about the art or you care about the artist or you care about the community and you want to be part of that. And that represents that. And that's exactly what Dennis did with the barbershop, right? You wanted to, you wanted to pay homage to some aspect of his cultural identity that people could relate to and that people could collect, that people could hold on to and then provide some utility or community so that people could engage with someone that they care about, right? Which is mm -hmm. Dennis Robin has a huge global fan base. Um, and so many people know who he is and so many people know about his hair, right? So, you know, uh, our amazing creative team worked with this amazing artist to come up with, you know, all these different hairstyles that represent, you know, Dennis's uh, version of his entrance into Web3. And it, it did really, really well. Um, Dennis is gonna do some IRL events, He's going to give someone an actual haircut in person. Is that right? Um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's going to do some. Dennis is really cool. I think Dennis, what's great is, you know, he really wants to interact with his fans, not just, mm -hmm. you know, online, but in person. You know, he's and he's such a, a energetic and charismatic guy. Uh, I actually knew Dennis before the project. I met him long ago when I lived in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. I met him at a party on a lake. Uh, Dennis was like a very big part of the Dallas scene for a while, even before uh, coming there. 
uh, he owned a bunch of businesses on Lower Greenville, and uh, he was kind of always at Lake Texoma. So it's funny to run into him again, you know, 20 years later, it seems like, in a business transaction. Uh, but he's great. And the project is fun. It did really well. I do, we don't take ourselves too seriously in that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, right? You, if you're a fan of Dennis Rodman and you like basketball and you, and you like, you know, a, a way to engage with him and his community, it's a great entry point for fans into that space. Uh, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. people, especially when we talk about celebrity NFTs and we talk about talent entering web three. Uh, I don't think people have to overthink what it really is. And it's a form of fandom. It's a form of engagement. It's no different than if I went and bought, you know, a, 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 a hoodie, you know, or some digital merch or a poster or a collectible, right? It's just in digital form. And because it's in digital form, it gives me a, a more utility than I would have with, with traditional physical goods, right? And it gives me a way to interact with the, with the star. Uh, that we work with. I really like uh, what we did with Dennis. Um, I'm super excited to see how the IRL activations for the barbershop go. We're going to have a, you know, a real life barbershop where Dennis will show up and that'll be fun. It's, 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 it's fun. It's fun to get to do what I do for a living. So tell me a little bit more about the IRL. Cause I think that is the next step on it's called the rod map, not the roadmap, the rod map. Yeah. We're planning that for uh, probably around NYC NFT. Okay. Um, so what would we'll, we'll actually rent out a barbershop? We're looking at oh, locations okay. and there will be uh, a physical uh, gathering for uh, some percentage of barbershop holders through an airdrop, I'm sure. And then Dennis will pick one of the NFT holders to actually give the haircut to. Uh, but we'll do more than just one IRL activation. Dennis is definitely doing some, I think an airdrop is going out soon on the next week or so. Um, mm -hmm. And he has a bunch of things he wants to do for that community to give back. The great thing about having kind of an NFT community is you end up with, like I said earlier, it's small, but it's very small niche little group of people. There's sure. you know several thousand people that collect these, and then you have the uh, the ability to interact directly with that audience, right? So uh, I know that that barbershop will be really cool, and some of the other things that he's planning to do are really cool. I think everyone who got involved in that project will start to see more stuff and, and see more value. But like I said earlier, when you look at a project like this, you know, I actually have more faith in a brand, which is what Dennis Rodman is at this point, sure. being here five years from now in this space, servicing that community, than some guy I never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I'm just being like, if, if you talk about like, you know, brand equity and brand value of, you know, someone can come in the NFT space right now and make an amazing project and make $20 million um, and have no value past that, right? Like, it's very tempting for a 25-year-old kid who's an amazing uh, artist with a bunch of friends that put together a project that does really well to weather the storms over the next two, three years. That takes a lot of fortitude, right? More than just money. That's what I actually like about celebrities. Dennis is 60 years old. <laughs> he's not going anywhere, right? He's been around, he's, he's been around this space a long time. It just wasn't called Web3, right? So uh, I, I love that because I know Dennis will continue to support that project and uh, serve, you know, as much value as he can to his community for, the, for as long as his existence. And I think that people, when they enter this space, need to think about that. Are you going to be here five years from now? 
-hmm. because people forget that the power of the blockchain is that it's immutable, mm -hmm. right? That it's forever, right? So you're building a project today and it's going to have some ups and downs and everyone's going to be happy and be mad. And I think that you have to think, am I still going to be here three to five years from now? Right. Really think that through. I, that's why I, one of the reasons why I like to work with big brands, you know, and, and big talent, because they're used to that. They're going to be here. These people have been working with their fans. Dennis has been working with his fans for his entire career. He understands that completely. So it's definitely something to think about when you're looking at projects. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, that's not just a flash in the pan thing that, you know, they're going to dip their toes yeah. in and, you know, take off. So for sure, um, talking about uh, the next milestone, the bit you'd mentioned airdrops a little bit. What, what are the thoughts that in terms of airdrops, merchandise, those kinds of possibilities with the roadmap, with the uh, roadmap, I should say. Yeah, we'll be doing airdrops. We're going to do, I don't want to give away everything, but we'll be doing some airdrop. We'll do it. We're doing an airdrop in the next two weeks. I know, which is a mm -hmm. transformation airdrop. And then there will be uh, merch airdrops, probably some utility directly with Dennis. Uh, as well as the IRF, the IRL experiences. And then we're building a basically a metaverse uh, component for Dennis, which will be a digital world that you can go and interact with, a digital barbershop. You know, when we talk about metaverse components, I think, you know, for me, it'd be very easy for us to just go to Decentraland or, or Sandbox and build something. But I think we're more yeah. interested in building something uh, unique to Dennis uh, to allow you know, his community to, to interact and do things and evolve. Uh, I definitely think there's a possibility at some point that we spend some of this IP in this off into a video game as well. Dennis mm -hmm. is very interested mm -hmm. in that. The think of, always think of it like for me, I look at the NFT drop as like the first building block, right? In the sure. larger scale ecosystem. And larger scale ecosystems take time, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not just you did an NFT drop and that's it. That's really just step zero. And then step two and step three, you know, is delivering value and then building on that ecosystem so that you can do other things. So you can build a real brand in web three around other than just that initial drop. I think so many projects are just hung up on the first drop and then the subsidiary drop, uh, you know, oh, we're going to do a, a derivative drop, or we're going to do some other thing. And then, then, oh, we're going to do a, a comic book or we're gonna do a small, like it's a very predictable, right? But you have all of, you have, you have a blank pad, like it's a blank space. So we're gonna do some really cool things that are gonna incorporate all of the things that Dennis is doing uh, into aspects of the metaverse. Uh, there'll be a lot more uh, to come from him in this space. I think this is definitely just a first step in the road. Yeah, very interesting. Curious about your thoughts on uh, where uh, you see Ethereum going in the next, few months you know half year you know there's a lot of talk of eth 2.0 a few months back and being just around the corner was a lot of the talk and well they've been saying now, that for a long time yeah i know it seems like it was more talked about about three months ago i feel like and uh i don't know it's kind of gotten quiet i'm very bullish on ETH, and i will remain very bullish on ETH until i exit at ten thousand dollar price point so that's my you know stance on ETH. ETH, one ETH is one ETH when it comes to NFTs, you know, yeah. and Ethereum is going to go up and it's going to go down. Everyone that gets, what is ETH at today? 2000? Yeah, how much money was made between, you know, the public sale to now? 
I mean, 2000 is not low. <laughs> nope. It's actually not low. I remember when I, I remember when I first started buying Ethereum, it's really high right now. Right. So, uh, and we'll have a downturn. And then out of that, we'll have, it could be a correction. It could be, you know, a winter, like we, like we actually went through the last time, but mm -hmm. out of that, it's an all time high. You know, again, yep. I am not a financial academic. I don't work at Goldman Sachs, but I've been in this space a long time and it's, it's not that complicated. Like, it's just not like, if you really believe in the power of Ethereum and smart contracts and, and the foundational elements of that. And I mean, if you look at the market cap and all of the hooks that it has into all of the ecosystems, that's a long-term hold, set an exit price and then exit, right? And if you feel uncomfortable, then sell half at some point and exit later. I don't overthink it. Yeah, I think yeah. overthinking it for me, I, I leave that. And look, there's people that are a lot smarter and a lot wealthier than me. More power to them. I, don't, I, I'm, I live a pretty stress-free life and I'm very happy with that. So I'm not going to overthink it. <laughs> yeah, I just look at how much development there is on Ethereum and I just feel like... Huge amount. It's I'm very bullish on Solana. Really. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I really, really bullish on Solana. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Solana, you're going to see a huge transformation in the NFT space and we're already seeing it. You know, yeah. I've been talking about Solana for uh, all last year. I kept talking about all my friends like Solana NFTs are coming, Solana NFTs are coming. But now they're starting to see it right, right. now. OK Bears and some of these other projects have really popped off. Solana integration at OpenSea, Solana integration coming to Instagram, you know, Magic Eden. I love those guys over there. That's an amazing organization. You know, uh, Solana is going to be a big deal. It's way more efficient mm -hmm. for NFT transactions. There's no gas. It's instant satisfaction. It's still affordable. These mints at one or two soul, right? Solana's at like 50 bucks today. That's really reasonable price. Even when Solana was at hundred, it's still reasonable. So yeah. very bullish on that. Uh, uh, I definitely, I see the long-term value in that. I don't see NF, uh, Ethereum as a long-term solution for NFTs. Lots of mm -hmm. other chains will come in and, and resolve that. The, the, the efficiency with gas is just not, it doesn't make sense. $180 million in gas fees on the, on the BAYC land sale. That was, it's just that absurd. Was it's yeah. just, and I don't blame Ford 8. A lot of people were like, oh, the contract. No, that's just a, don't mint that kind of project on Ethereum. <laughs> it's just don't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they could have avoided it really. I mean, some people talk about, you know, maybe having done some things whitelisting or wise or controlling how many people could mint at once, you know, but. Somebody uh, will always say they could have done this or they could have done that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to ever backseat, you know, drive or, or backseat quarterback <laughs> for somebody. That's a really hard thing they pulled off. Uh, yep. So more power to him for that, for even getting through it. But Ethereum fundamentally, because of mm -hmm. gas, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mean anything that big on Ethereum. Right. Not right now, anyway. For trouble. No, yeah. come on. So uh, we'll see. I, I definitely, we're, we're, Metacurio itself is doing a lot of mints on Solana this year. Okay. I would say probably half of my upcoming mints will be on oh, really? the other half will be on ethereum uh obviously we have a lot of you know we have a lot of clients that you know want to be very purist about it they want to write custom contracts you know and then they want to do that on ethereum and that want to want to to engage with the ethereum collector base right but mm -hmm. i just think that there'll be a lot of cool projects on on sol and we'll be involved in that and i have so many friends now in that ecosystem like the catalina whales are good friends of mine 
Mm -hmm. I just think they are doing really cool things. There's a lot of it's a, it's a very cool it's a very cool uh, community uh, in itself, um, but it's just one part of the whole ecosystem, right? So we'll see other we'll see other opportunities pop up as well. Mm -hmm. You want to drop any hints here as we wrap things up? You know, any uh, little bit of alpha about what's going on at Medicurio in the next little while? You know, Medicurio is actually investing not only in the metaverse, but actually in, in, in the physical as well. Okay. Um, we're in the process of trying to finalize a deal on opening one of the largest NFT galleries in the United States here wow. in Los Angeles. Uh, so I'm a firm believer in that not only do I want to grow the company in brand integration and NFTs and metaverse, but I want to expose artists to more collectors. And I think one of the things that we miss out with NFTs is that as an art collector myself, I actually like to go into galleries and look at art. I like sure. to feel like I have a physical presence with the piece, even though it's in a digital form. So mm -hmm. we're creating a space that will allow some of you know, our friends, projects, and other creators to showcase their art to collectors in a physical public-facing space. Uh, we'll also yeah. have our office there. So it'll be a very kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the old dot-com days where it's this whole, mm -hmm. you know, open environment. So it'll be really cool. And we're taking a lot of artists to Seoul and uh, and Dubai. So we're we're really, really leaning into not only, you know, NFTs, but the NFT, you know, artistic community as a whole, the creator economy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and so there's a lot of interesting things coming from us and a lot of big, big names in the pipe for this year for nft projects i mean uh every time i think the names won't get bigger they do so there's definitely there's Mike definitely Tyson some, and Dennis Rodman are pretty big names that, and i love those guys i love those guys but that but more amazing things are coming from us and definitely some play to earn stuff as well cool well hey thank you so much for spending this time with me i really appreciate catching up with you that was good I appreciate it, buddy. Always. Yeah, right on. Thanks. Have an awesome day. You too, man. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.